The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Jonathan Ruthier and I'm your guest host for today's show. And I'm calling you from our beautiful state here in full bloom color of New Hampshire. And our guest today uh, is calling from another beautiful state, but on the other end of the country in California. And I'd like to introduce our guest, Rosemary O'Connor. And Rosemary brings many years of experience working with women in recovery to address the key issues that mothers face at all stages on their recovery path. She's going to share advice with you along with inspiring stories of recovering moms, including her own, to offer guidance on many vital topics, including stress, relapse, relationships, sex and intimacy, spirituality, shame, gratitude, dating, and parenting. Rosemary O'Connor is the founder of Recovery Services for Women. She's a certified recovery and life coach. She's been a workshop facilitator for Bayside Marin and on staff of the Altamira Recovery Program's Muirwood Adolescent Family Program and Five Sisters Ranch. Rosemary serves on the advisory board of Stepping Stone, the oldest alcohol and drug recovery program for women in Northern California. And Rosemary, it's my pleasure to have you on the show today. And welcome and thank you so much for your commitment to helping women in recovery. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's my pleasure at any time to help those, you know, suffering um, from addiction. So, um, you know, it's really, uh, so first of all, I, I, I want to acknowledge that, um, you know, your um, your book, and I want to let our, our listeners know, you know, it's a sober mom's guide to recovery, taking care of yourself to take care of your kids. And I really just want to say, you know, from my perspective, having read the book, it's it's really, it's courageous, uh, it's funny, it's it's enlightening, and it's educational all at the same time. So, um, so congratulations to you on, on the book. And um, I, I, know, I know that you're going to be sharing, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, of you know your experience that you wrote about here uh, with our audience today. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. I, I love how you described what you got out of it. So, a lot of those were my intent. So that's great. So it's you know it's really um, I mean it's amazing to me whenever somebody has you know is ready to take that step of. Um, you know, kind of putting putting forward things out to the to the rest of the universe that is from their own experience. And um, you know, I was just wondering if you want to talk a little bit about what it was like for you to make the decision to write the book, and you know, um, you know, how you got through sort of the uh, the journey of writing the book. Yeah, a lot of people ask me that question. Well, basically, early in my recovery, I just started journaling. I mean, I didn't think I was a writer, an author, nor did I ever think you know Hazelden, the number one publisher in recovery field would, would want my book. And I was basically just journaling on a lot of challenges I was having. Um, 
And I would say for many years in recovery, uh, next year I'll have, uh, or next, next year, next month I'll have 16 years in recovery, which is a miracle because I was a daily drinker. And I just, my head just kept saying, you know, write a book, write a book. How can I help more women? And then finally I went to this uh, retreat uh, for women in recovery, and one of the breakout sessions was, You'd have to stand up and say, you know, what would you do if you had no fear? And, um, you know, I stood up and I shook and I cried and I belted out, I'd write my book. And I had no idea what that meant at the time. Um, And then (laughs) the woman who puts on the retreat, she's an author of many books and her name's Diane Conway and she's a writing coach. And so I hired her to be my writing coach and... Because uh, I knew I needed accountability and I needed help. And that was one of the things that recovery taught me is to ask for help from women that had gone uh, ahead of you. Um, Annie Lamont helped me quite a bit in the support I needed to write this book. And um, so I hope, I hope that was that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I guess the, um, you, you really hit the nail on the head. You, you know, you, you wanted to inspire other people. And I, I know you mentioned in the early part of the book, you know, when you were when you were starting out in your own recovery, you know, there wasn't a guide for you as to what to expect. And, you know, I think um, that's probably very true for many, many people. Right, right. I had, I had no idea the depths of the feelings and challenges that would come up. You know, my kids were two, five, and eight, and I was separated from what I call now my husband. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was just, I mean, the feelings of guilt, shame, and fear um, of what I have, what have I done to my children? Will they ever be repaired? And, you know, how was I going to support them financially? And so I was taught just to journal all these fears just to get them out on paper was very healing. And then to share them with another women, woman that had said, you know, been there, done that, you're going to heal from this, and you're going to be okay, and your kids are going to be okay if you just don't drink you know, one moment at a time. So, um, yeah, and my intention was, you know, I, I've gone through a lot, and I really, really want to help other women to know that everything can be healed, and they're not alone. And, you know, they, don't, they can get over the shame of any of the behaviors they had uh, before sobriety and also in sobriety. I mean, a lot of this talks about a lot of mistakes and I had many years into my sobriety and, and still continue to have. So it's not, you know, it's not just for women newly sober. Um, um, I know, again, we continue to have some things come up again and again that need just a little, you know, closer look at, the, the peeling of the onion. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's um, there's a lot to understand about recovery for mothers that's different than you know uh, than it would be for men or for fathers. You know, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that discovery was like for you. Yeah, and um, that's what I found too. Like when I started writing this book, I, I decided my my writing coach. I had lots of writing, and she said, "What do you have the most passion about?" And because I, you know, I wrote a lot of these chapters for women or basically for anybody. And I said, you know, mom, because that, that was my most difficult challenge. And, um, so I just, 
um, kept writing. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess I kind of get lost in the journey. I tell people, you know, I wrote the book a lot of times. I haven't had a chance to go back and read it much. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. What are, some of the, what are some of the ways that you feel like, you know, um, maybe the needs of mothers are not addressed enough oh, right, uh, you right. know, in recovery support? Yeah, the, the real difference, I think, that I see is because, you know, at one time we were attached to our children, you know, by the umbilical cord, there's that, I mean, I only know my, my experience, but just that deep, deep connection. And um, for women that I see, the, well, I see a lot of relapse over the shame and the guilt. And even, um, you know, then you get sober and you're not all better. And you're eventually wide awake. You, you don't have the drugs or alcohol to push down those feelings or take the edge off. And it can be overwhelming, the, the exhaustion of just, you know, when most of us come into sobriety, early sobriety, we are tired, tired of running um, and tired of just the chase and all the wreckage we have caused. And um, so I really find it mo- mostly early on is the shame and then the mm-hmm. overwhelm. And then a lot of the chapters speak to a lot of the other things that come up as we continue to stay sober over the days and years, like, you know, the loneliness that we start feeling, regardless of if anybody's around, um, or challenges with money or intimacy, um, you know, the anger, the codependency, all those, it just, it just keeps coming at you with my experience and all the women I work with. It's kind of like, you know, what's going to come up today? And that's why I put a lot of tools in the book you know, practical tools at the end of all these chapters to, how can I just deal with this right now, right today? Um, And it's one of those that I know what helped me a lot were those little daily readers, like the ones I loved, Karen Casey's, where they had all, she had all the different topics, uh, and I would open to, say, whatever the challenge was, maybe loneliness, and she'd give me just that little you know, piece of wisdom that got me through that moment. And so the book's not meant to really even be read from chapter, you know, from cover to cover. You could pick up and look at any of the very short chapters and, and try one of the practical tools I, I, I offer. Right. Well, it's really well organized that way, and I, and I think you're absolutely right that there's, you know, times for, for anybody uh, you know, who's recovering, that, you know, there, there's something specific on their plate that day or that week that, you know, they need some help with, and, and that is, uh, so it's really easy to you know, kind of index through the book and say, okay, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm really needing some help to figure out this dating thing or, um, you know, uh, dealing with shame. Do you right, think, um, and a lot of the tips, I have to say, I have tried all them, I've used all them, I've made suggestions and seen women I coach or mentor or um, sponsor, I mean, they actually work. So it's not just some, like, random, you know, idea, but they're ones right. that actually do work. Right. So I thought they're that tried, was... tried and true. Tried and true, time and time again. Maybe not always on yeah. the first try, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no guarantee right. there on that one. Do you think that... Um, 
you know, being a mother makes, uh, you know, in terms of, like, society's expectations, you know, do you think that makes the process more difficult or, or changes it in some way? Oh, gosh, yeah. And I talk about that in Chapter 10, you know, Supermom. And I, I see this with mothers uh, all over. It doesn't mean if they're sober or not or, you know, what we call normies. Just the um, all the pressure put on us to, um, you know, keep up with the Joneses or, you know, look the best, feel the best, do the best, um, all that outside stuff. Meanwhile, you know, we're just suffering inside. We're exhausted. We're frustrated. We're, you know, keep trying more, more, more different things. And But, you know, it's, it's no wonder, like I say in one of the chapters, I think it's Supermom, you know, we're exhausted and, and we just need the drugs or alcohol to take the edge off. And, you know, and then you think about what we're passing on to our kids. When mom's exhausted and had it and irritable um, and angry, uh, we're passing that down to our kids. They're living in the same house as us. And uh, it's no wonder they're all doing drugs, too. <laughs> I mean, I really think that's, you know, what we're modeling. They, they pick up on everything. Right. Right. They absolutely do, right? And that's... Um, you know, there are, I think for those of us who are parents, we, you know, we, it's, some, it's sometimes in the most difficult points in time that we hear, you know, we realize, geez, our kids are watching us they're, and they're trying to figure out how to get, you know, how to live their life, you know, by mm-hmm. watching us. So it's, it's, there's definitely a lot of pressure anyway of being a parent and, and certainly for being a mom uh, in today's society, the expectation of being a super mom and, you know, uh, getting your kids to every activity and, you know, having everything under control is really, uh, you know, an unrealistic expectation. So when we come back right. from the break, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that and, and uh, uh, you know, other, other content from, um, from your book, A Sober Mom's Guide to Recovery, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes after the break. Great. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Biohacking for Health is working with your individual biology to gain access to and control over the systems within your body. It allows you to explore your biology and improve health and wellness. Each of us has unique genetic profiles and physiology that require individualized approaches. 
On Biohacking for Optimal Health, Dr. Daniel Stickler and his expert guests provide a roadmap to navigate the world of biohacking human potential. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. And welcome back, everybody, to One Hour at a Time. This is your guest host, Jonathan Ruthier. And we're talking today with founder of Recovery Services for Women, Rosemary O'Connor. Rosemary is also a certified recovery and life coach, and she shares her personal experience and thoughts and tools and tips for recovery in her latest book, A Sober Mom's Guide to Recovery, Taking Care of Yourself to Take Care of Your Kids. So, Rosemary, welcome back. And, um, you know, I think the uh, you know, one of the things that you really uh, pointed out uh, in many different areas in your book um, and in our earlier segment is that you know, recovery is a lifelong process. And, you know, at Westbridge, we talk about recovery being a marathon, not a sprint. And, yeah. you know, there are different points along the way when life, sh- you know, life gives you a reflection of where you're at and, um, you know, and the importance of, uh, you know, uh, being able to look at recovery not just as, a, okay, my sobriety is here, but, you know, what is it? You know, when you've been sober for a while, it also gives you some opportunity to look at other areas of your life where, you know, maybe uh, there's room for improvement as well. So, um, so tell us, you, you, you've written in the book a number of times about hitting bottom, but it wasn't always in relation to your drinking. There were other things that, you know, you felt like you hit bottom around. Shopping is one. Um, relationships was one. And, you know, how common is that for people who are in recovery to, to feel like they're hitting bottom at different points in time for different behaviors? Oh, Yeah. We see it all the time. I mean, I saw it in myself. You know, I know a lot of times they say two biggest reasons for relapse are romance and finance. And that was my experience. You know, I realized with my money, which still continues to be a challenge, um, a lot of these still continue to be a challenge, um, but, you know, I was really just trying to fill that hole, too, of, you know, I tried to fill it with alcohol, that that fear of... Um, you know, not being enough or, um, you know, I felt bad about myself inside. It's that, like, they talk about that God-sized hole. And we look, well, I looked for everything in the outside world to fill it, um, but kind of more, more, more. But there was never enough alcohol. There was certainly not enough clothes or enough whatever. <laughs> um, you know, my money caught alcoholism, my love relationship. You know, I put down the bottle, as I say, and I picked up the men. Uh, thinking that was going to make me feel better, and um, but it, it was made me feel worse. You know, we 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 have these what I call the short time short term uh, gains for the long term pain. I didn't make that one up, but it's very true. <laughs> um, yeah, all these sayings I love, and um, so you know, again, it, and it, it repeats that shame cycle. So when I'm, you know charging up a lot of money on my credit cards that I can't afford, it reinforces that shame that I'm not good enough, that I made another mistake and I'm bad. 
or with the men. Oh, gosh, I did it again, did it again, Um, something's wrong with me. So, to me, recovery is about making real healthy choices for myself um, and and not beating myself up when I fall down. Um, Right. You know, I've never relapsed on drugs or alcohol, but believe me, I've relapsed on with the men, the money, the codependency, you name it. And, but I tell my clients, as I tell myself or my sponsors, it's not how many times you fall down, it's how many times you get back up. And, um, and so it's, it's, it can be difficult, and, but, you know, the rewards, I don't want to re- forget the rewards are, are just, you know, better than we can even imagine. Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of people, too, it's um, so much emphasis, uh, you know, in, in early recovery is on, hey, just taking care of basics right now, you know, um, you know, keeping things simple, um, you know, staying out of relationships, again, keeping things simple, focusing on sobriety and recovery, and mm-hmm. then, the, then the work evolves. But I don't know that, that, you know, a lot of times people are prepared for the fact that the work, that internal work will continue. Mm-hmm. down the road. And, um, you know, what were some of the things for you that were like the, those kind of moments where you realized, oh, geez, you know, I'm not done yet? Oh, <laughs> well, I, I do remember, um, yeah, when I had, I don't know how long, but, uh, well, one, when the desire to drink came back up. Now, you know, I'm almost 16 years sober, but I have to say when I get that uncomfortable with any of my behaviors, Still, my first thought is, oh, my God, a glass of wine would just take the edge off. So I'm not one of those that the desire has been completely removed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there were some, you know, I bottomed out in my money. I was $60,000 in credit card debt, and I, I was going to go drink, but I ran into a woman that had been there, done that, and helped me crawl out of that. And, um, again, um, I was in so much shame about, the, the damage I thought I'd caused to my kids that when I went into those feelings, my only solution, it seemed like, was to, to drink um, or shop or, um, gosh, just crawl in bed and put the covers over my head. Right. And, you know, and so, you know, maybe you could share with the audience, too, like what are some of the, uh, the, the tips or advice that you have for folks, when they get to that point in their recovery where they're realizing, geez, other things are coming up here for me. I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm sober, but, you know, uh, you know, if I'm really taking an honest look at things, other things seem to be falling apart right now. Mm-hmm. Well, again, that's why, I, it actually was Hazelden's idea um, because it is to put the practical tips at the end. It, you know, I had some solutions as you read through just the different challenges, but they really wanted me to them out. Um, uh, you know, like we're just talking about money. So some of the tips for financial recovery is to make a, a spending plan. I hated the word budget, but really when I made a spending plan, it, it gave me, um, it gave me, oh, self-esteem. And um, then even if, you know, open a savings account and put $25 a month, eventually that, um, that helps, or to start writing down everything I I, uh, I spent. Um, uh-huh. You know, something with the love relationships. What I really had to do is learn to be alone, 
and to feel the the what I thought was going to kill me. But you know, I could be in a group full of people, and that that depth of loneliness, which you know they do call this disease a lonely disease. Um, you know, I I had to learn to really like take a year off from dating or flirting or you know, trying to get attention outside myself and really treat myself like one of the tips is, you know, I bought myself flowers. I cooked a beautiful meal for myself and lit the candles. Um, You know, I I took myself away overnight. Um, You know, all those things I really wanted someone to do for me. Um, And, you know, I learned to, that's how I really found the self-love is instead of causing the, you know, choosing things that really hurt me, but to make sometimes the simple self-respect um, mm-hmm. choices. You know, it's, again. Your, your comments about sort of, you know, learning how to be alone and be comfortable with that, I think really ring so true for many women. And, you know, and again, there's a there's social influence of, or societal influence that, you know, women tend to be in groups more, or they they're they're if they're not in a group, it, whether it's working, they're in a group in terms of being around children, and you know, so so you know, a lot of times women end up sort of defining themselves through their affiliations and not so much in terms of their own internal power and their own identity from the inside. Yeah, you know, and, and I think you know, you really, it's a great point about you know, how do you how do you find a way to just you know, appreciate you for yourself and, um, you know, be able to sort of start from the self, uh, you know, and work your way out. Yeah, like a couple things. Um, you know, there's, I find that in sobriety, there's either those people that are out all the time and socializing like myself, so I didn't have to feel that loneliness and get quiet, or those those people that don't get out. Um mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, of course, we're one extreme or the other because um, they're afraid of, you know, what people might think. Well, I think, you know, we all have that. But um, to just learn to to really listen to ourselves. And, you know, the big thing is, is a lot of us women, we spend most of the time beating ourselves up. You know, I'm not good enough. So it's about learning to really talk to yourself nicely, like say, good job. Um, you did a great job, and, and you're good at this, and, um, you know, that's in my, in my uh, guilt book, too, is to, or the, the guilt chapter, the tools, is to yep. start talking nice to yourself and, and make a list of all the things you do well as a mom, not all the things you do bad. And, um, right. and you know, one of the suggestions was, you know, ask your friends. Um, they can usually come up with better things to, you know, point out that you do, hey, you didn't drink or use, that's huge. Everybody always forgets that one. <laughs> right. Interesting right. enough. Or, yeah. I, I love the, the quote you selected for the beginning of the guilt chapter, and I'll just read it to the audience here. It's, a, it's an Irma Bombeck quote. It says, guilt, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, boy, I loved her. She was great. Yeah. Yeah and, yeah. and, you know, one of the mantras I teach women, and it's in the book, um, is to look in the mirror and say, I love you, I like you, I forgive you. And most women break down be- and when, they're, when they're doing that exercise. Um, mm-hmm. And to keep repeating that until 
you really feel it, and, and that's a long journey for that one. Um, you know, most, most of us come in, we, we're so full of self-hatred and guilt, and um, we don't know how to love ourselves. Um, right. So we, we go to women to love us, like they say, until we can learn to love ourselves. And yep. um, I can say I do do that. I've forgiven myself. I, I actually enjoy my own company. Um, and, I, you know, I do have a lot of self-love. And, um, you know, I, I, that has been all the gift of, of recovery for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, um, you know, that really speaks to, uh, you know, not just sort of a, you know, for lack of a better word, a training exercise in, in helping yourself sort of, you know, feel better, but really that there's sort of a deeper connection that you can feel with, you know, having been created and having, you know, you know, being the result of a higher power and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, you know, being okay with who you are and being able to feel right. yourself. So, so, um, you know, I think that's really a great lesson for a lot of people. So when we come back after the next break, uh, you know, we'll be talking more about taking care of yourself to take care of your kids and, uh, you know, some more advice for moms in recovery. Great. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. 
and welcome back, everybody, to One Hour at a Time. This is Jonathan Ruthier, your guest host for today's show. And today's show, we're focusing on a sober mom's guide to recovery, taking care of yourself so, to take care of your kids. And our guest is Rosemary O'Connor, author of the book, Life Coach, and the founder of Recovery Services for Women. Um, and so, um, you know, Rosemary, um, you know, we've been we've covered uh, you know some different areas in terms of you know. Uh, the importance of looking at recovery from a long-term perspective, and you know, one of the things that we uh, you know, that we also know about addiction and recovery is the importance of family. And um, you know, at, at Westbridge, you know, we have you know that's a big part of our entire treatment component. So families involved through the whole process of recovery. But we also know addiction is is a family illness, and it affects everybody in the family. And um, you know, in particular. Your book really addresses um, moms and, you know, how uh, moms can take care of themselves so that they can take care of their kids. So I just wondered, you know, kind of how do your, how your children understand your illness uh, or addiction and, um, you know, what it is that you need, uh, you know, how do they understand what it is that you need to do to take care of yourself? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, I can tell you one thing to not do. Um, you know, my kids were two, five, and eight when I got sober, and um, I sat them all down, I think, day two and on the couch, and I said, guess what? Mommy's an alcoholic. And um, my five-year-old went to school, and, you know, during share and tell, he raised his hand very proud um, and told everybody, Mommy's an alcoholic. So... That's not how to tell your children. Um, you know, it depends on what age they are and what stage. And I've just always been really open because, you know, um, it's, it's multi-generational. And for most people, it goes way back. And so I've just always told my kids, you know, I, I heard once that if one of your parents is alcoholic, you got about a 50% chance you might catch it. And, um you got both parents, well, uh, good luck. And, you know, I, I've, um, um, I've had one of my kids suffer with this disease, and, um, and I've had many family members, um, the legacy of our Irish family. And, you know, we're all affected by it, and we respond to it in many different ways. And right. I do a lot of work with families, and it's, it's mainly what I see is helping families respond to it and really look at what's going on for them. Um, right. You know, I'm sure what you guys see too, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but I do see it, the more the uh, family members that get healthy, um, the greater chances um, that the recovering uh, addict or alcoholic is going to get better too. I always tell families there's no guarantees but I love to watch the magic happen um, when more family members get into their own recovery instead right. of focusing on, you know, the identified patient, like we say. Well, and, I, you know, that that's really true. And, you know, when you are working with an entire system at the same time, you know, you know you've got a better chance at supporting recovery and, and, and supporting the health of the, the individual who has the illness, but also, you know, everyone else around them has that opportunity to grow too. And um, so that every, you know, everybody's role changes. It, you know, as a, as a parent, you know, I mean, I, so I'll, I'll speak from my own experience, right? As a parent, the parenting today is really challenging. 
Um, you know, there are so many influences that we're they're trying to help our children understand and, and protect them from. And, you know, what, what was that like for you in terms of, you know, uh, early recovery, midterm, long-term recovery, you know, incorporating that uh, into your parenting and, and how you helped your kids? Yeah, um, again, I, I tried to just be present for them. And the first way was to, of course, not drink or use. Um, and then, you know, they saw me having a lot of fun in sobriety because I think, again, there's this myth out there. It was for me that um, you can't have any fun without drugs or alcohol. And they saw me throw big parties with a bunch of sober people and go traveling. And I just, you know, they went with me a lot of places. They went to meetings with me um, and, um, and really saw that you know, a sober life can be great. It can be, I mean, my oldest remembers me not so great in my drinking uh, stages, and um, they've heard a lot of my story you know, at, um, you know, different ages, but um, they know that there's a solution, and I've talked to them even about, like, my oldest and her codependency. She was the oldest, and, you know, while I was drinking and out and about, she unfortunately played parent role like a lot of the oldest kids do, and... Um, so I just believe that I can model for my entire legacy. That's what I tell people that whether you're the codependent or you're the chemically addicted, we're breaking the legacy of addiction in the history of our families. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really, I mean, that's such a, a positive uh, message for for kids who can understand that, you know, and be able to say, you know, hey, we're, we're, you know, we're chipping away at this thing. You know, that's, that wasn't our fault. Um, yeah, but that we have a responsibility to take care of. Right. Yeah, that's what I do say to mothers. It's pretty harsh, but, you know, I had to say it to myself a lot is, you know, it's not our fault that we have this addiction, but once we know there's a solution, yeah, we, um, it's our job as parents, as mothers to do whatever it takes to not, to not drink or use. You know, once we know the solution, we, we don't have any more excuses and, Matter of fact, when I had realized the damages that alcoholism and addiction can cause my children, I even told my ex-husband when I was about two years sober, I said, if I ever drink again, take these children from me. Because I know if I'm not sober, oh, the damage we can do to our kids is, yeah. is just horrific. Yeah. But, you know, but all of it can be healed if we, if we stay sober. The right. damage, you know, I have a really close, honest relationship with my kids, and um, I never knew how close and connected I could feel to them, with them, and how disconnected I was when I was drinking. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the, um, you know, the the silver lining here is that, you know, when, when people learn to... Um, and to really live a solid life of recovery, what a gift that they have to share with other people, right? And you, uh-huh. I guess you realize you, you can't control much. And, you know, um, and that's an important lesson for kids to learn at some point too, right? Like, you know, they've got to rely on others and they need to rely on uh, a higher power and, you know, um, you know, learn how to deal with life on life's terms. Yeah, and I think, you know, like it teaches us in program is, um, attraction rather than promotion, 
that, you know, it's not, not my job to corral everybody in and wave a big banner. Um, it, like a lot of my um, friends' kids came to me about themselves or their parents. And uh, the best part of it, like the 12 steps, is, you know, giving it away. When we give it away and, and watch the light come on and the healing happen, I mean, there's, there's nothing greater than that in my life anyhow. I mean, I don't speak for AA. I mean, this is just, you know, my, my experience. But I see it in the lives of, of everybody that I, you know, work with that choose sobriety. So you know when when some when you're working with somebody as a you know as a life coach or counselor, um, you know what are some of the things that you have them start off with in terms of parenting? Oh well, for sure to um, not drink or use. I, I don't ever want to minimize that one. Um, <laughs> but really, just to show up for their kids. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, they want to add a lot of drama or woe is me or. You know, they think just because they're sober a day uh, that the family members all think it's good and great. But it's really about showing up. You know, be home at night and um, and sit down and do their homework. Um, sit down and read them the book. Or to make it not about you anymore. Um, you know, alcoholism can be a selfish disease, and um, we have to recover from that. And to be present, you know, again, like if I'm drinking or using it doesn't matter if, if my kids are glued to my side. I am not present. I'm not present emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I might be physically in the house, but I am checked out. So it's about being present for the kids. And, you know, a lot of times new in sobriety and I was going through a divorce. Um, I often, you know, spent some time just ragging on my husband, my ex-husband. And that's not good for the kids to hear, and eventually we made it, you know, it doesn't matter how angry we were at each other, when we were at their games, we sat together and cheered them on and tried to make it not about us. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll have mothers come to me, oh, well, he's going to be there at the game, and I said, yep, and you're going to be there too. Um, you know, it's you got to show up for your kids, and right. um, yeah, it's about showing up. Well, I think that's really powerful. I mean, you know, um, you know, and as you mentioned, it's, uh, you know, when somebody's in, you know, even in, in early sobriety, you're trying to sort through so many things that just feel very personal and, and confusing, right? And, um, you know, to be able to sort of step out and say, okay, but there's there's also others, you know, there's some smaller people here that, you know, some shorter people in my life that need, that need me to right. be there for them too. And, you right. know, um, you know, that's an important focus. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing is, I mean, probably a, a lot of people won't agree with this, and my guess is they're not parents. So, um, like, I know for me, um, I would run to meetings to, you know, it, so I didn't have to give them baths and do their homework or, you know, even when I'd been to a meeting earlier that day, um, you know, I, I I wanted to run from the challenges of being a mother. And, you know, I needed to sometimes stay home and, and be there. Um, you know, we could, uh, at one point I had so many sponsees that, you know, I wasn't taking care of myself or, or my kids. Um, right. You know, I always say I, I had three little sponsees at home that I had to show up for and to not overdo. Or A lot of times in early sobriety, you know, I have these moms that 
they're on the PTA and they're soccer mom and they're volunteering for this or that. And I really have them take a lot off their, you know, it's just enough to go to meetings, not drink, and take care of their kids. I mean, that's a full right. life right then. And you got to start saying no to a lot of other things. And now, not yep. forever, just early on. Right. So you can make sure that you're, you know, taking care of the basics, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, I think that's really helpful advice for parents. And, um, you know, when we come back after the next break, we'll talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, the role of spirituality and self-care in recovery and, um, you know, particularly for moms. So uh, we'll be back here in a couple minutes after the next break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Ouch! What do you think of when you think of dental procedures? Well, when you think about it, the teeth and the rest of the body are strongly connected. What happens in one part affects the other. In the Tooth Body Connection with host Dr. Don Ewing, we'll explain more about these concepts as well as discuss the role that your teeth play in your overall health. You'll learn about amalgams and how removing them the wrong way can be toxic to your body. Tune in Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is your guest host, Jonathan Ruthier, and I'm with Rosemary O'Connor, who's the founder of Rock Recovery Services for Women and a certified and recovery life coach. And today we're talking about a sober mom's guide to recovery, taking care of yourself to take care of your kids. So, um, you know, one of the things that I, uh, I know that we wanted to um, talk about in particular, and it's really right in the title of the book, is about self-care, um, you know, and how... Um, you know, how to sort of conceptualize self-care, uh, you know, when you've got 
children to take care for, to take care of, um, maybe, you know, a job to take care of and balancing all that with, um, you know, living a life of recovery and, and trying to work hard on staying sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah, self-care is so um, important. Matter of fact, if anybody's interested, uh, I'm doing a webinar with Hazelden on self-care um, right in time for the holidays, and I love how what they titled it says, how to take care of yourself when you've got a million things to do. Um, but, you know, when I first got sober, I thought self-care was getting my nails done and buying a new outfit because, you know, that was supposed to make <laughs> me feel better, um, which right. I still like those things. And um, anyhow, um, but, you know, self-care is so broad. And oh, one of the things that I really needed to learn to do was to learn how to say no. I mean, I said yes to every request um, and, uh, you know, because I was more concerned on what what you thought of me and if I said no, what would you think of me? And, and then, again, learning to slow down and not go, go, go like so many of us moms do to, you know, take some time out to rejuvenate our soul um, and spirit. You know, our spirits can be so dead when we're just, you know, running on a little a little gas. And, um, you know, and then the other piece of uh, looking at all areas of our life, self-care. You know, how am I doing, um, you know, in my relationships? Am I spending time with some friends and having some fun? Am I working on some of my hobbies? Um, am I am I talking to myself kindly and loving? Um, you know. Then the other part that I learned was you know the halt: hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And I learned tools to like when I'm hungry, instead of drinking a lot of coffee and sugar, um, I yep. need to feed you know my brain. We need protein and we need water. I mean, simple things like that. Um, you know, there's, there can be simple solutions that we can do just a little bit each day to enhance our life. Um, you know, that when we're lonely, get out and call some friends or volunteer. When we're tired, you know, take a five, close your eyes for five minutes and turn your cell phone off. Um, you know, all these little bits and pieces add up to a much easier day. Right. It, but and if you're a person that you know really <clears throat> feels like super responsible for other people and other things, that's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's, and I think yeah. so many moms and you know the, the codependency. Um, we're just used to doing so many things for others and more concerned about you know disappointing others than disappointing ourselves. And um, you know we pay for it, and then eventually our, our children pay for it. Um, right. You know, I had no idea how to take care of myself, and I find that with many women I work with, they just they don't even know how to feed themselves properly, or they might know how, but they're not doing it, or um, right. they're running running around ragged trying to make up for, you know, that feeling of not good enough. Right. Right. And what made the difference for you that maybe you know other women can learn from? Well, it's uh, those little things. I'd say for me. Well, the two biggest things were to um, slow down and take breaks, not overwork or overdo, 
And one of my favorites, I mean, my mom gave me this, is bubble bath. <laughs> you know, I used to start drinking every day at 5 to take the edge off, and instead yep. I bubble bath for my refuge. Um, you know, that and just a, a quick, I, I'm the queen of a 20-minute nap. I'm not sure if I ever sleep, but, uh, you know, a lot of studies have been shown that that, yeah. that is amazing to hit reset with, a, you know, a 5 to 20-minute close your eyes, um, and then really how to speak my truth and um, not tell people what I thought they wanted to hear, but to be honest about what I needed to say. And yeah. getting back to that, saying no to so many things. I mean, just, you know, both, both of those things were extremely difficult, a lot of practice, a lot of falling down, um, yeah. you know, and again, just baby steps. Well, and I think for a lot of folks that feels really risky, but, you know, um, you know, like you said, when you start small, uh, you realize that, okay, maybe the world is not going to end here if I just, you know, um, stop and, you know, spend five minutes, you know, with my eyes closed, pay, paying attention to my breathing, you know, before, you know, getting in the car and going to pick up so-and-so or, you know, uh, before starting that task at work. Yeah, it's amazing how, you know, we take time off and the world does not fall apart without us. It's shocking. I just don't know how they do it. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great. And it's an important lesson for people. You know, that's okay. Uh, it's also just an exercise in realizing, okay, well, somebody, you know, something or somebody else is in control of this and it's all right, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that, that spiritual piece is, you know, for myself learning that I, I'm i not in charge of the whole world. Um, that was the good news, and then learning how to, you know, let others be responsible for themselves and tap into, you know, a, a God or a higher power. Um, when I do that, it's amazing how easier... Um, you know, life is for me when I turn over to my higher power things that I can't control. Um, you know, it, things seem to go a lot easier. I think a lot of us can just, I used to will my way through everything. Um, but when I learned to let go, which was difficult, um, and just get back in today and right where my feet are, um, you know, that was a lot easier way to go. Yeah. You know, you have a great quote in here on under spirituality and it says <clears throat> and I'll read this for our listeners, religion is for people who are afraid to go to hell and spirituality is for people who have already been there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, that's not that's not mine. Um I I love that too. Um, you know, I, I was born and raised very strict Catholic and um, you know, I admire that in others and I think that's great, um, but I guess the only thing I picked up on when I was a kid was that I was going to go to hell, and I broke all the rules, and when I got in sobriety, I was really struggling with that, like a lot of people do, and um, my sponsor and mentor said, well, you know, Rosemary, if that's your higher power, your God, you better get a new one, and they asked, you know, if I had this spiritual being in my life, what would that look like? And I said, well, if I could design my own, I'd like it to be loving and compassionate and fun and and guide me. And there you go. That became that spirit. Or I, I try not to put a lot of labels on it. Um, right. And it's just this journey. I don't know. It's this inner trusting 
that I, I do trust that I'm being led, um, that I am safe, and I can tap into the guidance um, of, of, of my higher power. And it's not me. Well, I think, uh, you know, Rosemary, we're, as we're coming to the end of our, our show today, I want to first thank you for, uh, you know, for joining us and sharing, uh, you know, with the world your experience, um, your strength and hope, and, and really some very practical ways uh, to deal with the challenges that come with being a mom and being in recovery. Um, and, you know, want to give you an opportunity to let our listeners know where they can get a copy of the book. Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, Hazelden.org. Uh, they have click on the bookstore, and then also um, you can go to my website, and um, which is rockrecoveryservices.com, and rock is R-O-C, no K, and um, you can find out all the information um, on there. And, um, you know, if there's anybody out there that can't afford a book, look me up on my website, and I'll be happy to send you one. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for, uh, for joining us and sharing with our audience. And to our listeners out there, thank you again for tuning in uh, to One Hour at a Time, and we look forward to, uh, to having you back next Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Thank you so much. We appreciate you joining us today for One Hour at a Time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.